What up, Jeremy? How's it going? Man. Yes. Awesome. How are we doing tonight, guys? Or today? I guess it's tonight where I'm at, but uh, not sure where you guys are. I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, no, it's uh, afternoon where I'm at. Um, just finished up the work day, so hopped on here, just chatting. Um, chatting a little bit about like the resurgence of DeFi, but I'm sure we'll get into that a lot more with you uh, during the episode for sure. Yeah, no, absolutely, man. Uh, I'm, I'm just hoping, uh, fingers crossed, that uh, Twitter Spaces behaves. Um, sometimes it can be such a pain in the hole, you know? <laughs> no. I, yeah, absolutely. I was, uh, I, it really is like hit or miss. Um, I was in a space the other day with like 300 people with Investorly, where they had CLG on, and it made it almost the entire time until I got up to ask a question and then I uh, rugged the space. So. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh, dude. I was, uh, every time I've been on a Twitter spaces, I've always had like major, well, not major technical difficulties. And I hosted, uh, my first Twitter spaces, I think it was last week. And I had, um, uh, Michael Wagner, the CEO of Star Atlas, the CEO of Ember Sword, the CEO of Alluvium and, uh, Gabby Dizon from YGG. And I was just like the whole entire time. I was like, please, please, God, like, <laughs> please behave. <laughs> And it was the first time that my Twitter spaces hasn't acted up. So, uh, so fingers crossed that it uh, behaves again tonight. And I think I think I updated the Twitter. So um, I, that could have been it as well, you know. Yeah. No, that's uh, that's pretty cool. You said uh, you're hosting that space. Is that like a weekly thing? Do you do like any like weekly um, Delphi things? Or is that just kind of like on your own accord? Um, so I just, that was actually my first one I'd host last week. So I wanted to try to get a, a pretty good panel, um, as, as the sort of Genesis one. And, uh, my, my focus at Delphi is kind of on NFTs, gaming, the metaverse, play to earn, all that good stuff. So, you know, I'm pretty close with all those guys anyways, but I'm going to try to have it be a, a weekly reoccurring event. Um, and it, it's more on my own, but if I get good re- recordings and if the, the panel's good, then, um, we also use them for the Delphi podcast as well. It's, it just kind of like depends on how good the show is, you know? Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, that's, uh, that's awesome. And, and it's so cool that um, so, so quickly this industry is splitting in so many different directions and there's so much innovation going on in each different direction that um, is being kind of like innovated, if you will. Absolutely, man. Um, that's why I think just doing exactly what we're doing right now is so incredibly important. Um, Cause I mean, I, I'm sure all you guys can remember and everybody who's already starting to trickle in here could remember like first getting into not even like DeFi or, you know, play to earn or any of that, just getting into crypto in general and how steep that onboarding process can be. And uh, it just seems like everywhere you look, there's just not one rabbit holes, but a hundred rabbit holes to dive down. So as it begins to fragment, it, it's harder and harder to keep up with. So, you know, the more, uh, on ramps we could provide just by doing this sort of thing is, uh, I think underestimated in its value. So, um, you know, this is why I just love jamming with guys like you and being able to have these, uh, awesome conversations, you know? Absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I want to, <laughs> I want to ask your thoughts on some, some NFT questions, but I, I'll save them. I'll save them for our discussion in a little bit. Uh, Absolutely, it, man. It's just so interesting seeing like kind of the, like I, I don't know if you'd say like recursive projects are going on, uh, but I feel I feel like the mm. NFT market's a little manic right now, in my opinion on on a 
at least on the like the kind of like you know ten thousand collections and kind of like people pumping these uh scarce projects just because they're scarce um i don't know I, I'm, I'm seeing very few innovative nft projects i'm seeing like a lot of kind of like manic like flipping uh for quick gains i love that man i love that question but I'm, let's plant a flag there and we'll uh, really dig into it in the show because it's such a great subject and there's so many different takes you could have on it. And I'd love to hear your guys' takes, but um, I've definitely been developing um, a thesis of my own surrounding that. So I'd, I'd love to dive into that in the show, but uh, I, I already love the direction we're pushing in. <laughs> oh yeah. No, the, the goal is to drop, just drop some alpha casually in our chat. So. Absolutely, man. I'm all about the casual alpha, but uh, yeah, no, this is awesome, man. This is awesome. Really looking forward to this. Let's go. Super, you, you good to go? Yep, good on mine. Let's kick it off, guys. Uh, Jeremy, really, really happy to have you on the base space, man. Uh, my name's Mewtwo. I'm the founder of the space, and you're joined by my co-host, Super High and Chase. Say what's up, guys. Yo. Hey, what's up, everyone? Yo, let's go. How, how's your day going, Jeremy? It seems like it's off to a, a great start. You had a solid night so far? Yeah, man. Uh, first of all, uh, really appreciate you guys having me on Base Space. Uh, I've been looking forward to this one. But uh, yeah, it's been a great day, man. Uh, Wednesday is always kind of my catch-up day, so I always feel relieved at the end of the day to kind of catch up with everything that's built up. And it's um, 11 o'clock over here in Ireland now, so just cracked uh, a celebratory beer and ready to dive into some casual alpha. I love that, the way you phrase that. So uh, yeah, let's go, man. Let's do it. Um, yeah, man, I know, I know you, uh, you popped into the Alluvium episode we had on before, but we always like to ask new guests um, that we bring on the show, like, how'd you get started in the crypto space? Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, so, you know, sort of typical-ish um, beginning story, I guess, you know. Um, well, maybe not. So I remember being in high school, actually. And the thing about high school is I always hung out with the, the really sort of, I guess what you'd call nerdy kids. But luckily, the high school I went to, uh, the nerds were accepted and actually even kind of cool. So I even remember back in like 2008, 2009, you know, them talking about Bitcoin and this and that. And it was all about the Silk Road back then. So I've, I've been kind of touching crypto for a really long time. Obviously, didn't dive in back then. Wish I had. Uh, but really kind of sunk my teeth into it sort of 2016, 2017, when a lot of people did. And not so much as like a, a shitcoin flipper or anything like that. It was more um, from the, uh, I guess, like psychological and philosophical side of things. Uh, if, if you know anything about me, you know, I'm a big fan of history and the implications of crypto and this immutable ledger just really kind of grabbed a hold of me because it, there's just so many implications when you dive down that rabbit hole. But, uh, you know, of course, did buy a couple couple coins. My my fondest one was Dragon Coin. I don't know if anybody uh, remembers that one. It was like Disney's coin that they were launching or it was incubated by Disney or something like that. So, uh, you know, made a little bit of money, lost a little bit of money, but was really just focused on the technology, I guess. And, uh, you know, followed along casually until 2018, 2019, and then really dove back in um, at the top of sort of 2020, uh, 2021. And where I really, uh, I guess, cut my teeth was actually in the Alluvium community. Um, so I was one of the first people in that Discord. I've, I've always been a huge gamer, a huge nerd, like I said, and it just clicked with me. 
You know, I was like, this is one of the coolest things I've ever seen. I'd already seen what NFTs could do, saw CryptoKitties. And, you know, the first potential AAA game was just too much to pass up. So I got really involved with that community. I was actually on the first Illuminati Council next to Kane and Santiago. And so, you know, I was really involved with the Illuvium community. And then from there, uh, I saw one day and Neil, who is one of our founding members of Delphi, posted about Delphi interns. So I jumped all over that, became an intern, did that for a couple months. And now I am one of Delphi's gaming NFT metaverse analysts. And uh, I'm actually helping to uh, build out more games in the space and really just learn all about what's coming around the corner and be super involved in the ecosystem that I've really uh, come to know and love. So that's uh, the TLDR or maybe a little bit more than the TLDR, but it's been an awesome journey, dude. And just can't uh, feel lucky enough to be able to be in the position I am, you know. 100%. And that, that actually kind of just brought up a question in my head. Um, are part of your tasks going into the Avalanche ecosystem as well um, and helping those NFT projects build out? Um, to be honest with you, man, I'm not as familiar with Avalanche. Um, I know they're doing a lot of really great things at the moment, but uh, I honestly I honestly couldn't comment too much um, on Avalanche or uh, I haven't been helping out too much there. I've been more on the uh, play to earn side of things. So, you know, apologies for not being able to give any alpha there. All good. All good. Yeah. And uh, Jeremy, you know, we have a lot of new people who might not even realize like what an analyst does at a very like high level. Could you explain like what your overall role and, and position is? Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, so I actually wear a couple different hats at Delphi. So just a quick high level overview of Delphi. Um, so Delphi is known for two different things, I would say. Well, three different things, but um, some of you might know us for our uh, institutional grade research we do. So we do really in the weeds research. And then that's just one of the Delphi arms. Uh, two of the other arms would be our VC arm, which is pretty self-explanatory. And then our labs arm, which helps build out, you know, token econ and different aspects of projects. So if you're familiar with Axie Infinity or YGG, we actually built out the token econ for those guys. And so that's just a quick high level on Delphi. And so what I do as a venture and research analyst is basically just make sure that I stay on the bleeding edge of my ecosystems, which would, like I said, primarily be sort of play to earn the metaverse and NFTs. And it's just, you know, seeing what's coming out, analyzing trends and forces and, you know, jumping on calls with founders all the time in different projects, uh, not only to learn more about the ecosystem itself, but then also to potentially invest in um, from the VC side of things. And once we make an investment with our VC arm, the beauty about our labs arm and our research arm is that's where we're really able to apply value. And so just uh, me personally, you know, I would be helping find investments for our venture fund. And then through my knowledge in the research and helping build out some of those things, I'd be able to then like sink my teeth into our different portfolio companies and help them build out their communities and their tokens and their NFT strategies. So um, I personally wear many hats, but I guess a typical analyst would be more, you know, really being an expert and a professional in whatever their niche was. And that could be just through really, you know, long hours put in researching whatever facet it is that you're interested in. That was a very long winded explanation. Apologies about that. No, that's, that's perfect. Honestly, the, the more detail that you can provide for our listeners, the, the better, um, you know, cause as you, you, as you know, like there's so many new people in the space, they just don't even 
understand like the different positions at companies, what they do, um, or even like what a VC is, right? They, they, uh, they might not even know um, anything about it. So uh, no, it's super, yeah. super important. Feel free to provide as much, as much detail as possible. Uh, and then when it comes to like Delphi Digital as like our company, like what is your overall mission? Great question, man. So before getting into uh, our mission at Delphi Digital, I think you actually touched upon something uh, not super important, but like a, a good sort of distinction, you know, because when I first got into crypto, my view on VCs is like, I kind of viewed them like I would, uh, I don't know if you've seen the movie um, American Psycho, you know, but like sort of like these sleazy businessmen, like money men, you know, and I think sometimes the, the way we view those guys is um, uh, maybe, I mean, it's probably accurate in some lights, but not in all the time. Uh, so, you know, I thought a VC was just like these guys throwing money around and I'm sure some VCs are like that, but the way I would want to encourage a project to pick a VC carefully is, you know, pick a VC that is A, going to add value and B, is like the kind of uh, company or the kind of people you'd want to get a beer with because VCs are going to be your network. They're going to provide your network and then they're going to also help you build out and add value to your project. So, you know, definitely make sure you pick the right person to get into bed with, so to say. But um, so yeah, my, my own perception on VCs has definitely changed since uh, joining one, obviously. <laughs> but as far as Delphi goes, the simplest way to put it, to be honest with you, too, is Delphi Digital wants to bring the metaverse one day closer if we can. And we're basically trying to do that however we can. And that's just by building out these projects uh, to the best of our ability or helping build them out rather because, you know, we're obviously just one of many uh, value adds that these people have surrounding them. So that would be the simplest way uh, to explain what we're trying to do. Yeah, so it sounds like at a very high level, like you're investing in projects that you feel are going to be core pieces of the metaverse and you're linking these projects together, helping them network and and build out like your overall core vision of what you, what you guys are thinking the metaverse uh, should look like. Yeah, something like that for sure, man. And that's like what's also such a cool part about it because, you know, some of our portfolio companies do include things like Alluvium and uh, Ember Sword and uh, Axie and a lot of these different play to earn games. Uh, some of them I can't mention, but then we also do have a lot of those infrastructural uh, NFT pieces as well. Like we just recently invested in Nameless and, you know, some others will be announcing soon. And once you begin to be able to have conversations with all these different people, you're just able to make connections, get people that might not have been in the same room, in the same room together and really start uh, seeing, and I hate using this word, but seeing all these synergies begin to happen. Uh, yeah, that word makes me cringe, I know. But uh, it's, it's true, you know, and it's cool to see how willing people are to work with each other in the crypto space. And I think that's something that's really special about crypto overall is like it really does feel like the Wild West sometimes. And it feels like we're all friends here, man. Like crypto is such a cool and strange place like that. And a lot of traditional people I see get into crypto are also just completely blown away by it. You know, how different it is from the uh, traditional business world. Yeah, I, I uh, actually work in cannabis and that's also like another kind of Wild West industry. And, it, you know, it creates this really fun dynamic, right, where you just never know what's going to happen. Things are constantly changing and evolving and it really keeps you on your toes and it makes you, you know, stay educated and you need to stay on top of the latest trends. And 
um, I, I'm really, really excited to just see like where crypto and this whole industry is going in the next 10 years. I can't even imagine all the different um, possibilities. <laughs> like, can't even, it's like the internet, you know, like uh, when I, I, I was first exposed, like AOL dial up. Did I ever think there would be cryptocurrencies <laughs> and, <laughs> and all of this stuff? No way. Yeah, dude, it's like, I think, I think we're at about the floppy disk right now, if we were to make that comparison, or they had the AOL uh, dial-up. And man, like you say 10 years, dude, I can't even imagine what it's going to look like in the next two years. Like, isn't it so crazy to think that, what, two years ago would have been 2019, wind it back three years ago, like CryptoKitties were blocking up the Ethereum network. You know what I mean? And like, and then we have Top Shot this year, like just how quickly this space evolves. But just to kind of provide some context there. So the Twitter spaces I hosted last week, the, the title was called uh, The Rising Tide, The Future of Play to Earn. And the future of play to earn is something that really fascinates me. And just to kind of couch it in a historical timeline, imagine that when, and, and this is just like technology, right? How quickly technology evolves. And when I looked at the numbers, it just completely blew my mind. So you can imagine the Wright brothers took their first flight at Kitty Hawk. I think it was in like 19, 1903 or something like that, or maybe 1907. I'm going to mess up the dates here, but you'll, it'll give you the idea. So you have the Wright brothers at Kitty Hawk, 1903. You had the first V2 rocket enter into our atmosphere in 1944. So we went from dreaming about flying in the sky to soaring amongst the stars in 40 years. You know, and then you had, I think Pong was like in 1973, in 1984, I think it was, you had Zelda in 1996, maybe it was, you had the Nintendo 64, and then in 2001, you had Master Chief enter into our living rooms for the first time. Now, those numbers might not be exactly right, but when you kind of look at those numbers and you think about where we are now and where we'll be in 10 years, when you kind of just zoom out a little bit, it's um, truly... Uh, mind-boggling how quickly technology does progress and what the, the future even looks like you know because in 10 years just you know consider that having a vr headset sit on your desk next to your phone will be accessible to probably a lot more people and i mean even chase has a, a vr headset as an avatar picture like even the implications of that are um staggering but anyways i didn't mean to go on a rant there but these are the things i think about <laughs> No, rant, like rants away because I, I really do view this space as like a complete blank canvas. And I think that's like the beauty of what this technology allows, um, you know, seamless collaboration with anyone around the world that has a like-minded idea as you. And it's kind of, you know, your wildest dreams are kind of, you can create it. Um, so that, that's awesome. Um, shifting gears a little bit, because I do want to dive into NFTs. And I feel like, I feel like in a, the term NFT is such a loaded term and it could really mean like anything. Uh, but generally speaking, in your role, when you're evaluating NFT projects, like what are some of the criteria that your team is looking at um, before making like an investment? And I guess like maybe it'd be good to preface that in terms of like um, like blockchain gaming NFTs or kind of like an art collection NFT or whatever it may be. Sure. Yeah, man. Great question. Um, so Delphi actually has two investment vehicles. One of them would be Delphi as a core. So that'd be Delphi Ventures. And then recently we spun up uh, a new fund called Infinity, um, which is our NFT specific fund. And so G Money, some of you guys might've heard of G Money, runs that fund and I helped G Money run that fund. So we work very closely together to help curate what goes into that uh, portfolio. And what we're looking for for Infinity and, and Delphi as well, because it does kind of, they are one in the same in a certain sense, but 
our thesis, our investment thesis there is we're not looking for individual NFT plays. Like we're not looking at the, the trends and forces to see what mystic Axie land is selling for cheap, which is totally cool and valid. But we're looking more at the foundational pieces that will power the next wave of innovation that's coming around the corner. And um, that could be anything from like an NFT marketplace to an NFT SaaS layer to an NFT curation protocol to NFT uh, contract uh, toolkits, you know, or smart contract toolkits rather. So it's it's pretty broad what we're looking at. Um, and it's basically like the short answer is not so much NFTs themselves, even though we have vetted and looked at some of those plays, but it's more trying to find the projects and the founders and the team that are really looking to push the technology and uh, innovate and, and push things forward, which is, you know, why we're working with Alluvium and all those different uh, plays. Uh, one we'd invested in recently that might kind of give some more color here is, uh, I don't, some of you guys might be familiar with Jimmy McNillis, and if the name doesn't ring a bell, some of his projects might. And uh, he was the founder of Avastars, and he spun up NFT42. And recently, he's been working on a project called Nameless. And if Nameless doesn't ring a bell, what they powered might, which is vFriends. So they built out the NFT smart contracts and basically built out that entire drop. So uh, Jimmy McNellis and Nameless are looking to be that white label solution for companies coming into the crypto space. So if like Nike wanted to come in and spin up a storefront and NFT smart contracts, Nameless would be the kind of people to do it. So that's the sort of plays like we would be looking at. And, um, you know, that could be a lot of other different things as well. Gotcha. I'm actually really curious, like with the NFT market going so hot right now, and like, I feel like OpenSea right now is kind of claiming the lion's share of the volume. Um, I, I know mm. there's like Rarible and there's a few other things, but I'm actually curious, are there any um, kind of like decks, but like for NFTs that are on your radar right now that have like a community token and will be kind of like community owned? If there'll be any, did you say DEXs? Yeah, like for like the NFT market. Um, because I, I know OpenSea doesn't really have a token um, for the community. Mm. Um, I mean, Super Rare just launched their token recently, um, and for transparency, I did I did pick up some Super Rare. Um, I didn't get any of that airdrop, but like Dexes in particular, not so much. And in, OpenSea is a really interesting one. Uh, I don't know if you guys have been seeing it, but it seems like there's been a lot of talk and. Uh, narrative being driven of looking for the the next open sea like it seems like a lot of people want open sea to fall right now have you guys been kind of picking up that same sentiment yeah i've been i've been in a ton of nft spaces and i've just seen a lot of negative uh sentiment around open sea and uh the community just kind of feels lost like they just feel like they're not listening to them that's that's kind of the sentiment that i've been picking up i don't know about you chase even if you nft spaces anything about OpenSea there um i i haven't really heard any direct complaints not to say that there aren't any uh but i think generally speaking well i guess, I, I i have been seeing the meme where it's like uh i guess OpenSea is the new coinbase and it's like a picture of like <laughs> OpenSea being down um but like outside of that i, I think just from like a uh intuitive perspective of how this ecosystem and this industry operates um, I do think that the next disruptor will be a NFT platform that has like a community owned community token, um, you know, similar to like a Uniswap, if you will, but like for NFTs. And I'm actually kind of surprised that there isn't, I guess I'm like, I'm just really surprised by the growth of OpenSea without it kind of being that like traditional 
um, crypto ecosystem that we see, you know, where there's like tokenomics involved and, and uh, kind of everyone yeah. grows with the underlying um, DAO or company or whatever it may be. Rarible, yeah, Rarible is cool in that respect. I think one that doesn't get enough attention as well is Zora because Zora's done some really cool things and made some really cool tech like the uh, Zora, what is it, auction house or and, and their curation functions and how they've like open sourced a lot of their stuff. Really love what Zora's doing. It's just they don't get a lot of time in the spotlight. And OpenSea is an interesting one, man. Like I have mixed feelings personally about OpenSea um, and and mostly good feelings because I use OpenSea all the time. And like now that I know how to use it, and once again, I think there is a bit of a learning curve to OpenSea. Like it's a bit overwhelming, but once you kind of learn the navigation there, it does become a lot simpler. Um, but I think it's, I think a lot of the sentiment is, is OpenSea feels, and maybe what you're trying to get at, Chase, is like it feels kind of centralized in, in this decentralized world, you know, and it's really slow to ship product. It's really slow to, pivots you know they just raised what it was like a hundred million dollars and it's like what are they going to do with that how long is it going to take to improve and upgrade and um i think also maybe that's just a cultural and mindset thing because i think when it does come to crypto we're used to things moving so fast like what's the joke like a, a week in crypto feels like a month a month still feels like a year so when you see a a, a goliath like OpenSea um moving slow in the space uh it just doesn't quite mit uh it doesn't quite match like the cultural narrative and the decentralized narrative, uh, which is where I think maybe where some of those mixed feelings are born, if that makes sense. No, yeah, completely. I'm actually curious. You said you've uh, been on OpenSea, um, you know, not to like chill your bags, but are you, uh, do you have a, like a pudgy penguin, uh board ape? Um, do you have any kind of like, do you shoot for like the one of ones? Um, just curious. Sure, dude. Um, so this is actually kind of funny, right? Um, even though I am an NFT and gaming analyst and all that stuff, I actually don't yet have any PFTs. Um, and that's just because it they stress me out, man. <laughs> like, I don't have the bandwidth and the time. And, and I'm not talking shit about PFTs at all. It's just I don't have the time to uh, pull that slot machine lever, I suppose. And I say that with like the utmost respect. It's just... It would stress me out too much. Um, so what I do focus on are really high quality play to earn projects, or at least what I see as great uh, play to earn projects. And so one that I am actually pretty um, heavily vested into is Parallel. Uh, I'm super, super bullish on Parallel. I absolutely love what those guys have been doing. I have a bunch of cards. I just completed my PD1 set to get my Galaxy key. Uh, I'm ready for that snapshot tomorrow. And uh, I've actually helped, I actually helped build their discord super close with the team over there. Love what those guys are doing. So that would actually probably be the thing I hold the most of um, on OpenSea. But outside that, dude, like I said, I'm a nerd and I'm more into the, the, it sounds, I feel so stupid every time I say this, but like the philosophy and like the implications and a lot of the investment side of things. So, um, but yeah, that's, that's my biggest bag there anyways. Yeah, no, I, I, uh, I hear you there um i'm actually curious um maybe because like you're kind of like hinting towards it uh maybe build on it a little bit like philosophically like these play to earn um nft blockchain games like where do you where do you kind of see that ultimately like leading to because i've heard some people kind of i've heard pro cases for what it could do for people economically in the future but i've also heard con cases of like how um, it could lead to potentially kind of like 
uh, farming operations where people are kind of like taking advantage of in less fortunate situations in the world. But I'd be curious, like hear your view on how you kind of see that playing out in the larger global society and the play to earn. Absolutely, man. Um, so I've definitely had great conversations on both sides. Um, actually, I think it was like two or three weeks ago, I was on a um, panel with a bunch of the Solana guys, and I was talking with Unique Club, um, Alex from Unique Club and Dean from um, Grape, and we were talking about a lot of the cons. Um, and there's a lot of things to be said there. And we could definitely dive into those because I think they're really valuable conversations to have as far as the farming goes and all that sort of thing. But I'll, I'll start off on the positive side of things, I suppose, first. So, yeah, man, I think when you zoom out on play to earn and gaming and where those things are going, I think we are truly doing a, a couple different things. First of all, I, I, I really do believe we're creating a new job class and a new financial ecosystem that's never before been able to exist. And I really do think that, like, in the next five to ten years, dude, like, when people are playing Star Atlas or Ember Sword, you will literally have, like, professional space pirates. And you'll have people who are really good at making swords. And, yeah, you'll have people that are farming. You'll have people that are um, landlords and, you know, all sorts of crazy stuff. So I think, like, when you zoom out, we are really creating, um, yeah, a new job class. And this is going to be supplemented by DAOs. This is going to be supplemented by the metaverse you know, web 3.0. And what I, and, and the reason why I'm really bullish on that is because I don't know if any of you guys have ever talked to like anybody under the age of like 16 or 17 about play to earn or NFTs or anything like that, but it clicks with them, man. Like every single kid right now under the age of 16 is super digital native. And it's a really easy step for them to become crypto native. And when you explain it to them, they're like, yeah, no, that makes sense. Like I want to own all my shit. And then to take that one step further, dude, our grandchildren are going to laugh at us when when we tell them that we didn't own all of our assets. That's going to sound um, like a very crazy concept, I believe. Um, so I think when you zoom out, that's where things are going. Um, but I'd love to I'd love to hear what you guys think, and I'm totally happy to take that any sort of direction. Also, I want to shout shout out all our I see those guys listening in. Um, that's a really cool project on Solana, and I really love what those guys are doing as well. So definitely check them out. What uh what what project was that you said? All art. They just uh, entered into the room. I see there. Oh okay, nice. Um, yeah. I mean, generally, I, I'm a pretty optimistic person. Um, at times, maybe even like naive, but I think like blockchain has even led me to be a little bit more naive on this world because it just like you know you have all these crazy uh, use cases that can be enabled. But generally speaking, um, no, I I think it's I think it's a plus because I think it grows the pie overall for everyone to where mm. everyone can kind of earn and have a living. And, um, you know, as somebody who's like grown up playing games myself, like this allows for, um, you know, it's kind of like that, like cliche, like, you know, your, your parents getting onto you cause you like, you're sitting inside, like playing video games all day. Like it's a waste of time. And it, yes, like, sir. it makes it to where like a, a game theory can play out in a monetization to where there's like no wasted energy, whether, yeah. whether you want to look at that for good or for bad, but just generally saying like with that, you have like production and with that grows the pie larger for everyone. Um, and it's like a really interesting idea that, you know, in the future you will be able to like pursue your passion in gaming while making an income and, you know, 
paying for like paying taxes. You know, it's like it's it's, it's kind of mind blowing. A couple a couple different like thoughts there, man. It's like first of all, we've already been trying to do what we're building out right now. Like I was just having the conversation the other day, and it made me chuckle. So. Uh, I don't know if you guys remember, but like, you know, back when we were gaming as teenagers, we would have to buy physical games and boxes, you know, and even that sounds crazy <laughs> with like Steam and stuff nowadays. I can't imagine actually buying a, a disc anymore, but I used to like let all my games like build up and then I would go into GameStop. I would bring in all my boxes and exchange it for another game. And that like essentially is kind of like what we're doing on like a much clunkier level. You know what I mean? And, uh, and then to zoom out from there, um, yeah, sweat equity, right? So all the time we're putting into these games, I view as sweat equity. And there's no way to capitalize that. And the thing is, like, people have been capitalizing on that, though, but in the black and in the gray markets, which are really dangerous because if you're caught in those gray markets, like if you're trying to sell gold on WoW or gold on RuneScape or you're one of those farmers and you get caught and you get your, like, account totally banned, like, there goes all of your work, all your time put in. And that sucks, man. What also sucks, though, is that these gaming studios don't get a cut of that. You know, like these major gaming studios are literally missing out on hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue by not allowing those things to come on chain. And maybe not allowing them is the wrong way to phrase it because it didn't exist. But I guarantee you, you'll see a lot more gaming companies, major gaming studios coming into the space sooner rather than later uh, just for the financial incentives to take part of those markets and to have those markets introduced into their own ecosystems. And then, I mean, like to take that like one step further and then I'll shut up here, but Gabby Dizon, and if you guys don't know who Gabby Dizon is, he's the founder of Yield Guild Games, which is just an absolutely incredible project. He tweets every now and then about his child, you know, and I think his kid must be like 12 or 13, maybe 14 years old. And he'll tweet things out like, you know, my child now like has more money than I did up until very recently. And like what my kid is doing in playing like Axie is A, teaching them about the markets, teaching them about DeFi, teaching them how to manage money, teaching them about game theory and social skills. And this is also going to pay for my kid's future college, my kid's future like entire education and like really get them started. So I, and I'm definitely shilling some of the positive things you hear, but like if I could have somehow monetized all the hundreds of and thousands of hours I put into gaming growing up, I can't even imagine what sort of different person I could have become or, and, and I didn't become a bad person. I'm very happy with where I'm at, but I mean, apply that to all the other hundreds of thousands, millions of people that were gaming at the same time I was, you know, the implications are uh, too large to even begin to comprehend. No, it's it's crazy, man. I I'd, I'd argue uh, that most people are really spending more time in the virtual world at this point than the real world. You know, like yeah. you look at you look at kids today, like they're literally like given an iPhone or a tablet when they're bored. <laughs> you know, you go to like when they're three, they're they're playing on these things and they're learning super quick. Um, they're going to programming classes and like yeah. like you're saying, they're getting the finance. Uh, financial education they need to to thrive and that's just something that you don't really find in like a traditional school setting you know what this just occurred to me and i haven't thought about this but i would love to hear what you guys think about this because it just popped into my head but do you think that this will make us view our time differently like it'll make us feel like our time is more valuable because like to me it, i would think a hundred hours into playing a single skyrim character because it was fun but in the future, I might view that time differently. 
And maybe that like will have other implications to where I might be more efficient with my time because I'm actually adding value to my time. And time is our most valuable asset. If that makes sense, I don't know. That may sound completely crazy. I think he completely hit the nail on the head, right? Like f- coming from a fellow gamer, I used to stay in my room for 16 to 18 hours a day, literally just grinding Call of Duty, playing competitive matches, wagering, stuff like that. So like there's definitely other kids just like me and other people just like us that play nonstop. Or I mean, I don't anymore, but I used to. And if you could monetize that like a play to earn, kids would go nuts. That's all they would do. And then say you earn that money, right? And you get to save up by your first car by the time you're 16 just from fucking playing, excuse me, just from playing um, video games online and earning. Like that is, that's sick. I totally see it going that way. But shouldn't like, but doesn't that make sense though? Like if you put in like, cause it takes what, 10,000 hours to become a professional at something. Like I would argue that most of us probably put in 10,000 hours into video games. And like, doesn't a car at the end of that journey or like even paying for the first semester of your college seem like a pretty decent trade-off if you think about it, like if you kind of remove yourself like one step away from our cultural mindset right now, like that seems pretty fair. And especially if you're contributing to an economy that is um, really empowering a new job class, you know, like you are partaking um, in an economy. But I don't know, it'd be interesting to think about that. Like, so if you're 16 and you're making money and play to earn, or even if you're 13, like, how, I wonder what taxes look like there. That's just also a random thought, but like our 13 year olds paying taxes in the future as well. <laughs> yeah, I think one thing, uh, in addition to like that time aspect where we'll, we respect our time, I think it will be where um, it will provide us an opportunity to where we can pursue our passions, like what actually we find enjoyable to do because in this new world, you know, once, you know, what we have envisioned, what we see being applied with this technology, you're going to have so many different ways to monetize whatever it may be. And so with that, I think the, uh, I think it'll be a thing of the past of people taking jobs just to take that job to pay their rent. And we'll be more closely aligned as a society to where it's like, I'm, I'm contributing to this cause or this effort because I actually find value within my own life and like contributing towards this. And, and I think that in of itself has like untold, like a, like a positive domino effect and um, one growing the pie larger for everyone, but two, just like enjoying your life as well from like a philosophical standpoint. A hundred percent, dude. And I, I don't say this all the time, but sometimes, and I haven't like really, completely worked out this thesis yet so i couldn't speak upon it like eloquently but i think it's you could almost view it as almost like a universal basic income um and that is pretty powerful and like i said i haven't really like developed that out but i i I think you could probably see what i'm getting at there um and it's kind of exactly what you were touching upon there chase yeah no absolutely and i i think i think it's starting to trickle through and i think if you hang out you know, enough to space. I, I like, I hear people kind of mention it from time to time. Like a, we had Jiho on from Axie infinity and oh, cool. that was, yeah, that was basically kind of like what we were getting at. Um, and you know, and I think with that, like, I think it's a net positive, you know, um, if you can gamify it and somebody can do whatever their passion is, like, even if your passion is like planting trees or like cleaning up, um, trash out of the ocean, like all you need is data. So like, if you could, have weather 
satellite data beaming that information and they could definitively prove you planted x trees or you cleaned up x like trash in the ocean because they can monitor that from the satellites like whatever it may be as long as there's data you can kind of create incentive-based rewards around behaviors you gamify boring monotonous dangerous tasks and uh incentivize people to pursue those tasks uh in a different kind of way. Like another great example of what you're kind of touching upon there, Chase, is like um, factories, you know? Like if you could create autonomous robots where you could just slap on a VR headset and from the safety of your own home um, work that way, um, that also becomes a really interesting future as well. Now, the only fear here is um, entering into a future that looks very similar to Wally. you know what I mean? Where we're all just like super fat, obese people chilling in our like virtual chairs, you know what I mean? Uh, that's something that kind of concerns me a little bit. But at the same time, um, maybe if we are liberated from these monotonous, boring tasks and we improve our overall life conditions, I think that does have a positive impact on our psychological condition, which hopefully will encourage people to take better care of themselves and uh, further enrich their lives through exercise and having more time to pursue the things they want to, whether that be exercise, fitness, health, or just I guess, spending more time in the metaverse, but it'll definitely be uh, interesting to see how that plays out. Yeah. Um, so I, I know we kind of got a little bit away from NFTs, but I do want to ask you to be, we had planned a flag <laughs> earlier. And oh yeah. I, I do want to kind of bring it back to that. Cause I'm actually really curious. Like I think the NFT market, like you were talking about, like it, there's many different sectors within the NFT market, but specifically within the, um, the PFP NFT market, I, I think we're reaching like a manic phase, like in the open sea, uh, area, not necessarily like blockchain games, like Axie Infinity and Alluvium and stuff like that. But specifically with like with the open sea marketplace, I think we're like getting to a point where, um, you know, there's only so much liquidity flowing around. There's only so much demand and I'm just seeing an insane amount of supply flood the market. And like with the rise of, um, avalanche rush and all these incentives like it's like 180 million dollar incentive reward program i could see a lot of money that that flooded into the nft market start to kind of flood back into the DeFi. that's kind of my working thesis right now um is that we're just going to see kind of the the money start to kind of move back to DeFi because um i feel like DeFi money flooded into the nft market and i think the money's been made already but i'd be curious to hear your point Man, um, it's, it's actually, you're touching upon something super interesting here, Chase, and it's how to break this down. So yeah, definitely like in engaging in DeFi last summer, you had a lot of people um, gain wealth that they were able to potentially spend more freely, right? And that does add liquidity to the NFT market. It allows a lot of these things to come off the ground, get that sort of breakaway velocity, and it then enriches a lot of people who are maybe flippers or you know just <laughs> degenerates pulling on that uh, slot machine lever. But I think what you're getting at it's like as you kind of build yourself up in the NFT marketplace, it's almost like DeFi is your bank account, right? So a lot of people are beginning to build up savings and they want to put that capital to work somewhere else because you don't want to probably like you want to diversify. I think it's TLDR here. And like even right now, like I'm sitting on a decent portfolio, you know, and uh, I'm, I'm starting to get a bit itchy thinking, okay, I want to put some of my portfolio to work in other ways. 
and DeFi makes a lot of sense for that. You know, so parking it in a good sort of stable coin and letting that APY build up some stuff and begin to um, plan a little bit for the for the future and to be able to um, get some decent returns in maybe a more uh, responsible, less degeny kind of way. But um, to take that one step further, I think part of that next wave of uh, technology we'll see come with NFTs will be you know, DeFi and NFTs mixing. So like programmable NFTs to where um, you can integrate some of these DeFi principles into your NFTs. And we already have the first glimpses of that with things like charged particles and really cool projects like that. I mean, I don't know how many people know about charged particles here, but they're basically doing NFTs and DeFi. But um, yeah, no, dude, I totally agree with you. I think what we will see an ebb and flow and um, maybe... NFTs are where people go to play and DeFi is where people go to save and, uh, you know, do different things with their money. Um, but I'd love to hear what you guys think about that as well, or if, if I'm totally off there. <laughs> you two, uh, Super, do you guys have anything you want to add? I feel like I've been kind of like... I just, I just think it, I just think it's DeFi summer. I think uh, there was a while back, I think it was like two weeks ago, I tweeted that it was the NFT top, <laughs> um, but I mean, then again, I could be wrong. I just, I think money, smart money knows that there's other places to make money quicker. Like the Avalanche ecosystem, people are, what, Joe went 20X in less than a day. I mean, like there's just other places to make money right now. And then, uh, I mean, I'm sure money will flow back into NFTs at some point, but I just think it's DeFi season. I, I kind of disagree, actually. Um, I think it's NFT summer, man. And I think it's NFT summer this summer, and I think next summer will be uh, play-to-earn summer. Now, I will caveat that um, with that I am totally, totally biased and the wrong person to be arguing that point because I am an NFT and gaming analyst, you know what I mean? <laughs> um, but I'll tell you why I think that, um, and, and I'd love to hear a counterpoint. But um, the reason I think that is because, let's take Axie, for example, and we'll go back to that sort of cultural mindset, okay? our crypto cultural mindset, and I'm speaking more for myself here and, you know, you could paint it broadly if you'd like, but I think in crypto, we're used to being in a, in a niche. Okay. And I think we're used to kind of like being um, like, we're, we're used to a smaller space. Now, something that Axie has demonstrated is what a little bit of adoption looks like. And I would argue that Axie hasn't even gained a mass adoption yet. Now we saw a huge run on Axie and that's because that's what scaling looks like. And, you know, I'm sure Jiho could talk for days about the headaches that that created. And the team, Sky Mavis, has done an absolutely incredible job in keeping up with that demand. Now, that is just the tip of the tip of the tip of the iceberg. It's the first snowflake on the top of that iceberg as far as what true numbers coming into uh, crypto look like, right? And so I think with NFTs, gaming, and play to earn, that's where we will see some of the mass adoption taking place. Cause I like no offense to any DeFi people, but I don't think we'll see mass adoption happen through DeFi. It's just the, the on-ramps and it's, it's just not easy. NFTs, gaming, and these different things, when you abstract away some of the um, hard on-ramps, becomes a lot easier to onboard people into crypto. A lot of people say it's the Trojan horse, if you will. And then once you get people into the crypto and you see this this larger adoption begin to happen, that's when you see some of that then begin to flow into DeFi because like we kind of touched upon earlier, um, it becomes really interesting when when people learn DeFi through playing Axie. And that's something that I love about play to earn is play to earn is the crossroads between NFTs and DeFi. You learn about DeFi and if the game does it in a clever enough way, they'll teach you how to stake 
and how to do yield and all that good stuff. And that's when you see some of that trickle into DeFi. So I think we'll see adoption happen through NFTs and gaming and then begin to move into DeFi because that's sort of the uh, onboarding process, if that makes sense. And once again, I still think we're just at the tip of the iceberg. And as this begins to snowball, as we see all these other incredible AAA games come online and we abstract away some of those um, harder things, that will begin to really see um, breakaway velocity. And I just want to shout out one other person. Masterfile has entered the building. Uh, love to see you in here, man. Another incredible project and uh, yeah, another port co. So definitely check those guys out as well. Hell yeah. Shout out Masterfile. Um, Jeremy, no, I, I could see that too. Um, maybe, maybe our points could both, you know, come together. Like, uh, so I think it's DeFi summer for banks and for institutions mm. that want to put money into the ecosystem. Agreed. But I, I could definitely see your point on younger people doing play to earn and being taught what is DeFi. How do I stake? How do I earn yields? You know, what, what is a blockchain? This and that I, I could, I could definitely see that mm. because I'm literally I, I uh, bought those crypto companions on Avalanche and it's, like, it's basically like Pokemon. You stack three of them on top of each other and you play you play to earn. Like if you win, you get paid in I think it's a uh, GLE or something, and then you can get paid in AVAX as well. So I mean that's super cool. Yeah, no, that actually makes a lot of sense. Um, no, I, I totally agree with that, man. Jeremy, I'm actually curious, um, you know, I, I hate that we always have to like rely on these like analogies that we do in this space. But if you had to kind of like plant a flag in the year mark of like where NFTs are in terms of innovation, I mean, I, I, I kind of view like we're maybe at like 20, like 17, 2018 of like what we were seeing with like tokens and like crypto and actually starting to be able to have some use cases poke through. But like we're not at like mass innovation yet like where would you where do you think we're at in kind of like seeing um nfts in in terms of like what we've seen in, in other areas of this industry um okay so i'll try to answer that question in a different way just to get away from that uh cringiness that you kind of yeah, touching I upon I there. I <laughs> no i don't i feel you dude but you know what it's, it's an easy analogy to make so I'll, I'll get away from the year and let me put it like this okay so um and, and I'll stick with my own personal thesis here, and it could be totally wrong. So I'll, I'll begin by saying that. I believe that everything will come on chain at some point because it makes sense. Um, an immutable record makes sense. And we're not talking about crypto or the Silk Road or uh, shadowy super coders or whatever the term is there, but everything coming on chain makes sense from an infrastructural standpoint. And so for everything to come on chain, such as your passport, such as your mortgage, such as your deeds and that sort of thing. Right now, what we're having to do is build out the foundation to allow that to happen and work out all the bugs. So when those things come on chain, like the technology is good, solid and tight. We can't have these crazy rugs and scams happening with people's mortgages. And so right now we're at that point where like we have to do it with art and collectibles and like your avatars first. Because those things people can't stand to lose, but people can't stand to lose their mortgages and their passports and their identities, you know. And so that's where the real disruption will take place is when we get to that point. And right now, like, honestly, dude, we're just playing with JPEGs and we're playing with, like, fake Internet money, like, to put it in a really, like, tongue-in-cheek kind of way. So I guess, like, if I had to nail a year, um, I don't know, like, what are we in, like, 19? <laughs> like, well, like I said, we're at the floppy disk anyways. <laughs> If that makes sense. 
No, yeah, it does. And and also, just for the record, I am extremely bullish on NFTs. I think the 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 upside in the NFT area is is literally limitless because yeah, like you said, you could literally bring everything onto the blockchain. Um, and, and when I say I think we're kind of like reaching like the manic phrase, it's kind of like in that PFP market where it's like, you know, um, money for like pictures and there's just people just like flipping. I think that that specific area right there, I think we're, we're probably nearing a local top. Um, but in the larger scheme of things, like with the Axie Infinity and stuff like that, I think we'll see like continued adoption. Um, I'll give you I'll give you um real quick on the PFP. I'll give you my nerdy um, zooming out perspective there. And uh, I'd yeah. love to hear what you think about it. So I like once again, the reason I don't touch PFPs is like I said earlier, they stress me out. And uh, <laughs> I, I, uh, I don't want that stress in my life necessarily. <laughs> but what I think the really valuable thing and the thing that really fascinates me about PFPs from once again, like an analyst point of view, is what they're accomplishing on the tech side of things. Now, I don't care about um, board apes. I don't. Well, I care about punk, and I do care about board apes. Uh, but like the pudgy penguins and all the, the other things, and I guess I care about those too. But what I'm trying to say is, um, they are solving problems that need to be solved. Okay, I look at them as an evolution of um, the technology. Okay, so the reason we're seeing so many iterations upon PFPs and these avatar profile pictures is because we're hitting on a thread and a theme that needs to be figured out. And some of the things we're figuring out in this PFP experiment is like how to build a strong community, what sort of drops work, um, how to add utility to your NFTs. And like we're seeing the evolution in a chapter of history, right? Because like right now we are going through the PFP chapter in history. And what are what, like what lines will be written in the history books when we talk about this? You know, like generative art, for example. You know, to me, generative art isn't ones and zeros doing random things. To me, generative art is a true art form because the people who really pull off incredible generative art uh, projects are people who are masters of code and AI and all sorts of other crazy wizard shit that I can't even begin to understand. And what that demonstrates is mastery of something. Now, we as people in our little ape brains love it when people master something and they could produce something that shows that mastery of an asset. And that is what generative art is. When a PFP project really takes off, that shows a mastery of being able to cultivate a community to really tap into that culture, to hit the right drop. And like, there's a little bit of luck there. It's timing it correctly. But we're seeing the evolution, almost in a Darwinian sense, of the technology right before our very eyes. So the reason I choose not to focus on it in an investment point of view, but in a technology point of view, is because I think that's a lot more fascinating. How these things evolve is a lot more interesting to me than pulling that slot machine handle, if that makes sense. No, yeah, um, completely. I will say on the topic of this, uh, a Fidenza, like Fidenza is like my kind of like, I would not mind owning a Fidenza. There's something like extremely unique and uh, me neither. Kind of mesmerizing. <laughs> I don't know. It, it, um, but yeah, maybe, maybe one but, day it'll get added to the collection. But see, I think it's mesmerizing because that piece of code that was able to produce 10,000 Fidenzas that like are appealing is an incredibly complex piece of code that like not a lot of people could pull off. And that shows mastery. You know, because how many generative art projects that we like have we seen that excuse the French here that are dog shit, you know, right. um, so like the like the Fidenza like shows that mastery. And I think that's why we're drawn to it. Well, one of the reasons there's a lot of nuance there, of course, but the gray is fun, isn't it? 
Yeah, I'm actually uh, curious. Kind of, I know you said you didn't have a ton of uh, insights into the, the Avalanche stuff and everything going on over there, but I'm actually curious. Like, so I've been playing around with Avalanche over the last like week, week and a half or so, kind of playing around with their DeFi, and the gas is like it is insane. It is insanely fast. The finality is so is so quick. It's so cheap yeah. to use, and they're also. I, I was reading uh, in their docs that they're going to have like um, compatibility for NFTs. I'm actually like really curious, like, do you think in terms of like mass scale adoption, um, do you see the Avalanche ecosystem booming in NFTs? Because in terms of like a new user, I, I moved the same money from Ethereum and I bridged it over to Avalanche. I made a transaction on Avalanche. I paid $80 in gas on Ethereum and I paid 80 cents on Avalanche. And so yeah. I was like a new user entering like the NFT ecosystem. Uh, one of those instances doesn't sound very fun um so i'm actually curious like do you think the avalanche ecosystem could see like a massive nft boom uh man once again uh i'm really enjoying the space because you guys are asking excellent questions and um once again i think that's sort of where we're at in the evolution of this technology and like once again i'm gonna sound so annoying the more i say this but if you zoom out <laughs> um I, like how to phrase this. So I think we'll see some of that begin to be remedied um, with Ethereum and their layer twos. Like immutable is coming and it's like, they're gonna do incredible things in the next year or two. And so I think that'll solve some of the problems on Ethereum, but let's not get too focused on that. Let's focus more on what you're asking. So I think we'll definitely see some ecosystems evolve and boom. And like Solana is another great example as well um, with everything that they're doing because you know, once again, transactions and speed and all that sort of thing is absolutely incredible. But as some of the technology does begin to evolve and mature, that narrative might shift. Like the narrative right now is really attractive for Avalanche because of exactly what you just highlighted. And it's really important, you know, but like at the same time, you are learning to appreciate uh, transaction fees and like what a better technology could look like through interfacing with avalanche you know so um i guess if immutable x for example to bring it back to that was online and a lot cleaner and more robust than it is now then you know immutable x becomes the the trading layer and then the maybe data storage layer when these things get rolled up becomes ethereum so ethereum becomes our immutable ledger and then immutable becomes our data trading layer if that makes sense but um i think it just kind of depends on like what sort of time scales we're talking about and like if we zoom out 200 years in the future um what what does that ecosystem look like and that's an absolutely ludicrous question because how the fuck could we know you know but uh that's that's kind of the way i think about it and that might be insane i don't know no i don't i don't think it's insane i think i think your point of view is on point like these technologies are growing so fast that there's always going to be one that's better than the other and they're going to bounce back and forth and they're going to continue to compete right and that's just the natural course of selection that that we're seeing happen uh right now so um i i could almost see like people bouncing to avalanche then back to bouncing back to ethereum or any other uh, protocol that's performing really nicely and that has a lot of hype you know also, also though like so first of all i want to say like i am by no means like an eth maxi or anything like that so if, if i'm coming off like that i i apologize and i don't mean to 
And I think um, to get back to your point, Chase, and you too, it's like, I think that different use cases will probably become um, more specialized in different ecosystems like Solana, like Avalanche, like Binance and all these different things. So, and Flow and that sort of thing. So I think we'll see maybe things specialize in different facets just like we're seeing that happen with marketplaces we're seeing the unbundling of things now where i think things get really interesting though is if we begin to dive into the thesis of a uh, cross-chain crypto landscape yeah so once we do have better bridges if we get better bridges and that sort of thing and when all of these things truly become interoperable that's where things get really interesting i think No, hundred percent. It's gonna be, it's gonna be mind blowing. I just don't even know where this space is is going. Um, but I'm curious, like from your perspective, like I know we've talked a lot about like profile pictures and you know gaming and so forth. Um, like where, where, what other areas are you are you looking at in like the NFT space? Like are you are you paying attention to like real estate and NFTs or are mm. you seeing? Any movement in like the audio, audio for NFTs? Curious what other areas you think are on the up and up? Yeah, man, great question. You actually touched upon two ones that I'm super interested in. But before we go into those two, um, one you did not mention that I'm really interested in is fractionalization and all the really cool different things that fractionalization um, affords to, <clears throat> once again, different communities looking to build uh, I mean that sort of thing. And once again, touching upon communities, one other thing that really interests me is uh, creator coins, social tokens, fan tokens, whatever you want to call them. That's something that really draws my eye. And then to build upon that, one other thing that I think is really lacking in the ecosystem and technology is um, DAO tools. Because DAO is one of those buzzwords like NFTs right now, but DAOs need tools to be able to function in the way that they need to function. And they do not have those tools right now. And I would be really interested to see what the DAO ecosystem looks like in a year or two from now when they have better tools to be able to perform the functions that they're looking to do now. Um, but to get to your your point though, uh, you two, uh, real estate is one that really fascinates me. So what could happen when, let's say I am a land baron in Lunasia, which is actually Infinity's world or in Ember Sword, and let's say I'm sitting on a hundred plots of land, what happens when I could potentially fractionalize those pieces of land? Which, and if you don't know what fractionalization means, it basically means breaking up your assets into a bunch of smaller pieces, um, or to be able to rent and loan and lease your land in different ways. And that could be through scholarships or whatever the case may be. So I think uh, real estate is a really interesting one. And even just having a more accessible um, NFT, let's call it Zillow, if you will, yeah, where we aggregate all these different metaverses, like that could be really, really cool. Um, and then the other one, uh, audio, yeah. So uh, music, I think, is another huge one, um, absolutely. And so, you know, we have our audiences, we have our catalogs and that sort of thing. And um, I think there is a huge push right now to um, disrupt the, the music industry. And um, I, once again, it's another thing that makes sense, just like gaming. Um, I think a lot of the artists are not getting their, uh, what they deserve with the work they put in. So it'll be really interesting to see what happens with um, artists moving forward. I, I don't know if that answers your question, but yeah, no, absolutely 100% agree. Yeah, no, the concept of like a virtual Zillow, you know, for all the different virtual worlds and being able to list them and see them, I think that that's 
that's really on point. Um, and for audio, I'm, I'm really, really excited about like copyright and like allowing yeah. uh, people to use music. Like imagine being able to share your wallet with YouTube or Twitch and be able to actually stream uh, copyrighted music without having risk of a flag or having your channel taking da- taken down. And I think yeah. it'll just smooth out the entire process for content creators, which are on the, the up and up. And that that's like a whole separate economy in itself that's that's booming right now. Yeah, no, I totally agree, man. You actually touched upon something really interesting there. And that's another one of those, once again, like nerdy philosophical points about decentralization is um, how, like, let's say you are a influencer on a social media platform and you say something that gets the left or the right really riled up and then you get delisted, you get blacklisted, whatever the case may be. Like that doesn't exist on a decentralized blockchain system. You know, there is no censorship. You know, there is no... Like that doesn't exist, you know, and we could we could do that in different ways, of course, like with reputations and with upvoting and downvoting and all that sort of things. But you don't get scrubbed from the system. Uh, So that's something I'm also really um, excited about bullish on, if you will. Um, And there was one other point you made there, but it's absolutely escaping me. Um, So. No worries. No, I think (laughs) the concept of like a decentralized social media is well needed. You know, I think even just on the few, the few people I I interact with on it every day on Twitter, it's uh, they get sent, they get censored for posting things about crypto. It's like, you know, yeah. Or they get flagged for things that the algorithm thinks are are one thing, but it's not actually that, Um, you know, we've had friends just, you know, if you say certain words in spaces, they get flagged and and they get banned from spaces for months. I mean, it's just not an ideal situation. And like everyone should be able to say like what they want to say, Um, you know, there's good and bad to that. Um, But I mean, if we all have like social reputation scores and things around that wet nature, you can kind of weed out who's a, you know, who's spam and who's, who's real. Yeah, no, absolutely, man. Um, one thing, one thing I wanted to touch upon real quick, um, as far as like some of the people in the audience and, um, just people in general is, um, like how people could potentially get started in crypto because, um, well, before, before I go into that, like, first of all, let me just like say that I think that every now and then we need to pause and take a moment to appreciate where we are in crypto and like, cause it's a pretty small world. Like I know that crypto sometimes seems overwhelming and like there's a ton going on, but like when you really look at the numbers, like there's like what 1% of like how many active wallets are there? Let me put it that way. Not a lot. (laughs) Um, So like every now and then I have to pause and once again, zoom out and like look at where we are in the technology. And it's kind of going back to your point earlier, Chase, like where are we in this like year? And it's pretty early, you know, so like I like to pause every now and then and just like feel nostalgic about where we are. Like I was thinking about this today, even like we are in what will probably be argued as like a golden age. And sometimes it's hard to see that when you are living through it. But I think right now we are living through one of the most beautiful and productive and innovative times that we will truly study in the future. And we're all helping partake of and build upon that right now, even in um, taking part or even listening to this crypto space. Like we are, this is an on-ramp. And so, you know, every now and then pause, smell the roses, appreciate where you're at, right? And then to, to lead on into that, um, uh, did you did you wanna hop in there real quick, me too? 
Uh, yeah, I was just gonna, I was just gonna say, man, like we're every day <laughs> we we talk about uh, all three of us. We talk about how early we are and just how blessed we are to be in this space. I mean, we've had people in the community just, you know, explode, right? Just all of a sudden to make a trade and they're up six figures, like they're making life changing money. Uh, yeah, we see people with Axie Infinity actually be able to afford their first homes, which is absolutely incredible. Um, so I think there's so much opportunity, there's so much innovation, and we're at like the very, very beginning of this whole thing. Like this, this isn't even, this is nothing, you know, imagine mass adoption and everyone and everyone using crypto. Yeah. And also just to add on to that, um, I've had a few conversations and it's like, I've, I've noticed that there's even like people who I've talked to who are in crypto, but are still kind of stuck on like that currency argument about like which which one's the currency and like even though they're in crypto they they still are kind of like unaware of like this wave of innovation that is occurring right in front of them and they're already on the boat and so that just really shows me like truly like Jeremy kind of what you're getting at and like how really small this community is like how even smaller the community actually is and kind of seeing where this is this whole thing is going yeah, no, absolutely, man. And that's why I just think it's like literally we are living through one of the most beautiful uh, renaissance-like times that we'll probably ever live through. Like, because in 10 years in the future, if we do gain mass adoption, like, we're not going to be having these same conversations. And we'll look back upon this time very, very nostalgically. And I am a very sentimental person, I will admit. Okay, so, you know, I, I do think about these kind of things. But I, yeah, I definitely do like to pause and, and think about that. And even to your point, uh, Mewtwo, like the, the, the life-changing um, opportunities the space brings, like this isn't life-changing, but just for example, even myself personally, right? So once again, going back to Parallel, they had a faucet a while ago for a, a card called Rug Pull, you know, free card. And right, like the other day, that card was going for one ETH. That's a lot of money, right? So I was like, you know what? I have like four of these cards. I sold one and I paid for an entire vacation for my family. You know what I mean? Like I like just being involved in this space allowed me to treat my family to their hotel rooms, to their travel and um, all of that with my fake internet money. And man, that felt so freaking good. And I'm sure we all have stories like that. You know, you hear the stories, you know, I just paid for my parents' mortgage. I just bought my mom a car. You know, I just paid off my student loans. And like, we are being... Uh, empowered in a certain sort of sense. So that's that's kind of what I mean by like stop and smell the roses and just being able to partake in this incredible community is uh, is a gift. Yeah, I, I still, um, even though even though it's been like a year or a year plus since it's happened, but even like that, the Uniswap um, airdrop, I, I, I wasn't one of the people that sold it for a PlayStation 2. I actually held on to mine for quite a while and uh, made, made a nice little amount. And, you know, j just like in retrospect thinking about it, I was like, where does that happen like where else it, it right. is it is literally it, it's 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 crazy it really is so I, yeah. I, i'm with you on that jeremy it, it it it's awesome yeah and like i guess i guess the next part of that man is like um once again kind of like touching upon something we've kind of been jamming on throughout this whole entire conversation once again i, I really appreciate you guys for um allowing me to have this conversation with you but um it's like how like if you're in this room and if you're in this room, maybe you're somebody who's just entered into the crypto space. And one question I get asked a lot is like, how do I get involved? How do I find my niche? Right. How do I, how do I find where I get plugged in? Because, you know, I'm not a coder. I, I don't know numbers. Fuck. And, um, 
there's there's a lot of different ways you can do that, guys. And it's through being involved in community, you know, join a DAO, learn about that. Because each thing you join and like dive into, you're going to learn about, right? And if you really are focused and have that eye of the tiger, <laughs> if we're talking about Rocky or whatever, um, you're going to find opportunities. So one thing that I think is like incredibly underestimated right now is uh, community managers, community curation. If you're good with people, hop into a community, get involved. That could change your life. At the top of this conversation, I said where I cut my teeth at the beginning of this year was Alluvium. Now I'm an analyst for Delphi Digital, and I got to host a Twitter space last week with uh, some of the craziest play-to-earn giants in the space. Like, I can't believe my luck. But it's it's through finding your space. It's finding your thing. You know. So if you're good with people, find a community, get engaged. If you're good at some um, marketing, Find a project that you're passionate about that doesn't have great marketing, offer your services, become a mod, you know, and grind just a little bit because grinding is um, something that's really valuable in this space. You know, put in three or four months, maybe it'll allow you to go full time into crypto, quit your job. And, and this is the beginning of your journey. So don't be afraid to do what you're good at and try to find your thing. Um, that's, that, that might be the best advice I could give to somebody in this space. Um, but I would love to, I'd love to hear your guys' perspective there as well. Yeah, I, uh, sorry, super. Uh, I would just say that that's like a really common theme, uh, that we hear from everyone. It's just hop into the community, get involved, volunteer, um, you know, I do digital marketing for a living and I just, I, I literally got my first job by like creating my own project and, uh, my own website, creating my own e-commerce store. No one was paying me to do that. Um, and I built a whole community around that that particular website and store. So I think community is so powerful. And uh, just get started, guys. Like, honestly, that's like the biggest thing with anything. If you get started, like, there's going to be roadblocks along the way. But if you don't give up and you just keep pushing, eventually you'll get to where you want to be. Uh, if you ne- if, you, if you never start, you're never going to get there. So. Yeah. I love that, man. Yeah, basically plus one to what Mewtwo just said. Um, and anyone that's listening, if you think, oh, well, maybe I'm not good enough uh, or maybe my skills aren't good enough, it doesn't hurt to apply. I mean, really the worst somebody can say is no or not even reply to your application. But on the off chance that you do get somebody that does reply, and like Jeremy was saying, that's your start in the crypto space. I mean, take it. Even if it's not, say, say you want to go work for Chainlink. I mean, there's going to be stepping stones before Chainlink. Obviously, you can't just or most people can't just go and apply for Chainlink and get the job. So don't be afraid to take, um, I wouldn't say a lesser position, but just a different position to in order to get to where you want to go. Man, just to tag on to that as well, um, such a good point, man. Such a freaking good point. And I think one thing that, once again, really amazes me about this space is like sending a message to somebody takes a little bit of bravery, a little bit of time, and not a lot of effort. But like what those conversations could lead to could literally change your life. And from my experience in crypto, people are very receptive and they might miss your message. Now, don't misinterpret that as them ignoring you. Like some people are really busy in the space. And honestly, dude, I have messages slip by me all the time. And it's not because I'm trying to ignore people. It's because uh, I just I didn't see them. I didn't get to them, that sort of thing. But crypto is really special because people like will reach out to you because the thing is, it's like we all had help getting started and people are really eager to pay that forward. Um, like a really antidotal story. The other day I had a guy 
reach out to me and he's like, dude, I want to be an analyst. I heard you're an analyst. Like, how do I get started? And I'm not trying to pat myself on the back here, but I was like, dude, here's my Calendly, Calendly, calendar, whatever, however you say that word, it's a, it's a tongue twister, right? But um, I sent him that. We jumped on a call. Great dude. I made an intro and he might be working as an analyst now and that's paying it forward. And like, people are so kind in crypto, like, don't be afraid to take that little bit of time and like muster a little bit of bravery because it could change your life, you know, because we're in a really special time in crypto right now where uh, communication is open. People are willing to talk to you. So don't be afraid to reach out is what I would say. Yeah. Um, just to add my two cents on this, since we're kind of going around the room on this, but uh, I, I honestly, like I've lost count on how many projects, teams, companies that we've brought onto the base space. And so many of them said, yeah, like reach out. We need help. Like we need people. So um, they're looking. Why not shoot your shot? Yeah, 100%, man. Because um, you have nothing to lose. At the end of the day, you have nothing to lose. Like, honestly, <laughs> if you think about it. But, uh, and you know what, like you, you always have to cut your teeth. You always have to get started somewhere. So, you know, find that place. Switching gears, uh, slightly Jeremy for some casual alpha. What are casual alpha, casual alpha, purely not financial advice at all. (laughs) No bias of any sort of, um, relationships or anything, but just from like a monetary perspective of upside potential. What's some, what are, what are a couple of projects you're like really bullish on? Yeah, sure, dude. So once again, not financial advice, none of that good stuff, you know, do your own research, um, you know, all that good stuff. Um, so the things that I am really excited about right now, and I've actually mentioned most of them throughout this conversation, and that is YGG, Yield Guild Games, uh, founder Gabby Dizon. What those guys are doing is absolutely awesome. Um, they just recently launched a token, and um, that's something that I'm really, really excited about. Well, basically, what those guys are trying to do is become the yield layer of the metaverse. Or not the yield, the guild, excuse me, goodness. Um, the guild layer of the metaverse. And, um, you know, if, if you don't know about them, check out the Delphi podcast. We recently had a, a Gabby D's on on talking about YGG, I just hosted that Twitter Spaces, which will also be on the Delphi podcast um, where we talk about to Gabby as well. Um, to take that another direction, another thing I'm really bullish on is Alluvium, ILV. Um, the, the token has had a bit of a run recently because a lot of people have been locking it up, this, that, and the other thing. So once again, not financial advice, but that's something I'm really excited about. Um, and I love Alluvium. I think that is a multi-year multi-decade projects um and i'm just can't wait to see what those guys do pull off and accomplish they've already been absolutely nailing it and uh i mentioned parallel earlier they don't have a token yet but they will have their prime token soon so keep an eye on that and then one that a lot of people actually don't maybe know so much about is the universe xyz uh they have recently launched a token as well they've recently launched uh, their first nft project polymorphs and if you have if you don't know about polymorphs once again Recently had those guys on the Delphi podcast, not trying to shield the podcast too much, but it is a great source of alpha with, uh, we had Tyler Ward on recently, who is the founder of, um, universe and was one of the main giga brains behind polymorph and, um, universe is doing really, really cool things. Uh, right now you can even stake universe in the alluvium flash pools, 
So if you wanted to earn a little bit of money on your universe, that's a great way to do it. And uh, I hold all of those tokens myself. And then I think the most recent token I picked up just for full transparency, and once again, I mentioned this earlier, was the uh, super rare token. So those are all things that I'm very excited about. And once again, uh, not financial advice. If you want to look into anything, my sort of saying is uh, research builds conviction and always do your own research, always build conviction before aping into something because um, that can change your life. That's awesome. Yeah, just to echo that. Yeah. I um, just, just to echo that, uh, all, all it takes is that one FUD post that you see on Twitter and you're holding a project that you know nothing about and then you panic sell. Yep, exactly. And like, that's it, dude. Like, I had a friend who didn't like, and once again, not financial advice, but he's like, man, I wish I would have bought more YGG, but I saw all the FUD going around, blah, blah, blah. I was like, dude, like, this is going to sound so silly, but it's like, I don't know if you guys listen to Joe Rogan, but Joe Rogan's always saying, like, don't read the comment section. Like, why would you read the comment section, right? And that's what, like, FUD is to me. It's like, if you know something and you've done the research and you've built that conviction, like, all those people, like, FUDing, like, you don't know where they're coming from in their walk of life. You don't know what bandwagon or tribe they're a part of. Like, trust your gut. Like, if, if you've built that conviction, like, trust your gut. You know, like don't don't pay attention to the FUD, like pay t attention to like your skills that you've honed, because that's probably a little bit more important. Yeah, links a scam, right, guys? <laughs> no comment. <laughs> the scam. Don't buy it. You heard it here first <laughs> and I'll buy all your. Uh, Jeremy, at the end of the show, we, we like to bring on people from the audience. Are you cool if we, we do that? Do you mind if I take like a 30 second break? Um, I really got to go pee. In the meantime, All right. give me 45 seconds. Got to pee. I'll be right back. Go for it. He's breaking the seal, guys. He's got it. He's been drinking that beer. <laughs> the nine tailed jerky seal. He's breaking it. Uh, if you guys have questions for Jeremy, you guys can request. I'll let you on one at a time. I saw a uh, captain requested. I did too, but I guess he dropped. Yeah, he dropped off. Hey guys, can you hear me? Hey, not a whole lot. Um, thanks for picking me. I, so I work for uh, Walt Finance. I'm the business development manager. We're all in one DeFi protocol, and I'm obviously been really interested in NFTs for a while, and so I'm trying to help make that connection between DeFi and NFTs, specifically play to earn NFTs. We've recently um, made a big announcement regarding that, but I was just kind of interested in how you guys saw uh, DeFi protocols integrating with play to earn, um, yield farming, all that sort of stuff. I, I can start with this. It may not be exactly what you're looking for. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, it's, it's on the tip of my tongue. Um, Visor. Is it Visor? Um, 
they're doing an interesting thing where I believe you can put up your NFT and then as like liquidity and have access to money without actually selling your, your NFT. Um, so I don't know if that's like right exactly what you're getting at, but I would like to kind of see that grow. Um, cause I think you could see a lot of value start to flow into DeFi if you do that in a right way. Um, you know, because a lot of these people who are aping into these NFT projects, uh, you know, it's on paper and that, that money's locked up. There's no, they can't really do anything with, with that money because it's gone. So it'd be really interesting to see some use cases enabled to where um, you can have these like NFT vaults and then you can have your liquidity to go and say like park it in DeFi or um, you know, if you want to farm stables or if you want to go and buy like another lower tiered NFT picture, whatever it may be. Um, But that's like one area in particular uh, that I'm interested in seeing develop. Yeah. And I I guess for me, it was mainly, um, Obviously, the games, like everyone else, including Axie Infinity, since that was part of the project we launched, was a, a scholarship program. But, um, you know, I think there's a lot of opportunity for DeFi protocols to help users generate yield, especially if the game developers are just focusing on doing what they do best and um, creating the economies in the games. But I don't see that a lot of uh, people are kind of focusing on the the farming aspect or or the DeFi side of things. And I think it'll play an integral role in the future. Yeah. I mean, and also it, it kind of creates an interesting dynamic, right? Because then you bring in a whole nother ecosystem of holders that are focused on the DeFi aspect of the token. And, um, you know, with that, if they're locking that token up in, in pools, that's creating like further scarcity, which is appreciating the value as the demand is growing for the token itself. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I think like that's one of the beauties about uh, play to earn is like you really get that uh, intersection between DeFi and gaming to where there's room for everybody. Like you don't even have to play Axie Infinity or Alluvium like once staking is enabled. You could just partake in the economic system without ever having to play the game. And I love that there is a place for everybody in those different sorts of ecosystems. And I think in the future as well with like quality gaming projects, you'll see that more and more. Thanks, guys. I, I appreciate it. Absolutely, man. Thank you for coming up. Thanks, Walt. Uh, anyone else from the audience have questions? I'll give it another second or two. You guys can request. I'll let you on. While you guys are requesting, um, I feel like I'm 50% better able to answer questions after taking that little restroom break, so appreciate that. <laughs> But yeah, anything. It always feels right when it, you got the full tank, then you're done, and he's like, you sit down. And it just feels so good. You do anything. Yeah, it's like it's <laughs> like you. It's like you took your belt off. You know, like. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, no. Anybody out there in the audience, uh, we could talk about play to earn. We could talk about you know venture funds. We could talk about how you find your space. Like anything that might interest you guys, hop on up. Oh, somebody's driving. Oh, so, yep, <laughs> somebody Twitter space and driving. <laughs> Irresponsible. <laughs> All right, what's uh, up? What's Ka- up, man? Ka- Ka- Kakishi. Kakashi. <laughs> Kakashi, what's up, man? What's up, dude? Um, really appreciate your insights. Um, curious, you know, with your background um, as an analyst, kind of just. Do you, what criteria do you use or 
is there any like red flags that you have kind of in your mind when you're when you're going when you're sifting through projects to kind of separate the good from the bad thanks man uh great great question um so yeah no absolutely dude 100 percent um so some of the, I guess like, so to answer that question, I guess I could just talk about some of the general things that we look for in projects and that is good tokenomics. Um, and founders actually play such an important role in a project, right? Founders and teams. Like if you have a team trying to launch a project that has like a history of executing and has like a history in the space and a history in what they're doing and that founder is competent and they are charismatic and like they look like they could be a leader, like those are major, major um, green flags, let's call them. So red flags would be um, not having those things I just touched upon. And then also um, like when you're in such a frothy space as play to earn, there's a lot of people that are jumping on the bandwagon. And once you sit down and have a conversation with a team for an hour and have a good Q&A, it's usually pretty easy to see who's jumping on the bandwagon and who's actually building for the right reasons. Um, so that's something that we always definitely look for. And then also, um, like community management, um, and, uh, even valuation, like that's a huge thing as well. Like, you know, like are people greedy? Um, so there's, yeah, there's a lot of different things that come up in, in these different conversations. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree that you got to look for like the teams that kind of have passion behind it, that have the long-term vision. Cause there's so much saturation with people just trying to capitalize on the moment. So, yeah. but yeah, that, that was a whole good list. I appreciate it. Thank you. Absolutely, man. And like another, another one as well is like understanding the um, ecosystem and the history you're coming from. Like I'm not going to invest in a play to earn game that doesn't have like a founder and a team and um, like people behind them that like know what they're getting into or like know what the ecosystem is. Like if I have somebody approach me, and not, I'm not saying this like any ego or anything. And they're like, oh, we want to like replicate Axie. It's like, well, how are you pushing technology? Like, how are you not a cookie cutter? You know, we're not looking for cookie cutters. We're looking for people pushing the innovation and pushing the tech. So how are you doing that? Um, and obviously we ask that question in <laughs> different ways rather, rather than so pointedly. But um, yeah, those are definitely things we look for as well. Awesome. Thanks. No problem, man. Thanks for coming up. All right, who else out there has really tough questions? I love tough questions. <laughs> this could be about, uh, we could talk about, our, oh, we have somebody up here. What's up, uh, Crosby? Oh, uh, hey, guys. Sorry, I didn't realize my mic was on. Um, I got a question for you. I know you guys were kind of alluding to kind of like some good networking tips and just learning from talking to others earlier, but I was curious, like what kind of information or like piece of advice you could give for like people moving from kind of a traditional finance background, whether, you know, like working in investment banking or kind of on the buy side to moving into kind of the crypto space. Cause, um, you know, some of the skills overlap, some are unique, um, but any insights you could share on that would be awesome. You know, I'll open that up to you guys uh, first. Um, my advice would be to get The Infinite Machine by Camilla Russo. I think that that's a great book on like the history of Ethereum um, and the space. So I highly recommend reading that. And then I'll give you like a really strong 
overview of Ethereum and just the entire history of everything and how it was formed. Okay. Yeah, I'm actually, I'm reading that right now. And I guess it's more, I've been involved in the space and I guess for like others too that are familiar with it, um, just kind of like, if you have a good understanding of it, like how can you like get involved with a certain protocol or how can you, you know, make yourself more marketable to crypto firms, I guess, if that makes sense. Man, it's going to sound so cheesy and stupid to say this, but jump in the Discord, get involved. Like, honestly, like, uh, like it's seriously, it's so cliche to say, but like, jump into Discord. And it's not like, don't, don't like subtly, subtly flex. You know what I mean? Like, answer questions in an intelligent way, uh, field uh, opinions in a, a nuanced way, you know, and like, just be active. You know, and, uh-huh. and, and that just that just goes to the point of like always be networking. Like I literally think one of the most important things you could do in the space is networking. And it goes to like what your parents would say, you know, like it's who, you know, you know, like one of the coolest things. And once again, I say this humbly, it's not a flex. It's like I love that, like I could get into contact with like any play to earn person I wanted to. And that's that's because of that. It's making yourself valuable. Like, like if you have insight that you think um, isn't being uh, shown in the space, like give people that insight. You know, like don't be afraid to put yourself out there, but put yourself out there confidently. Um, I don't know. That, that's like that's a super generic answer, and I apologize for that. Yeah. No. Just to, just to build off that, as someone who um, hasn't taken a job in this space, but like who knows what what is open down the line. Uh, my advice would be just to build like a community presence um, and similar to what Jeremy is saying, just kind of network, but like in a, in like a natural way where it's kind of, you're, you're adding your two cents of knowledge you're combining it in the ecosystem to, to bring value to other people. Um, I think through that you'll naturally make connections and um, whether or not those connections you make will be your employer, or maybe there'll be somebody that will introduce you to somebody um, that needs help. Um, you never know who knows who, and like Jeremy was saying earlier, like it, this is a really small industry, and I would say the vast majority of the industry is one mutual connection away from just about connecting everyone. So that that would be Dude. my general like two cents. Also, like here's here's another huge thing, and I think um, this isn't talked about enough. It's um, in finding your thing, like when you find your thing, whatever it is you're passionate about, you're not going to be hesitant to work for free in that space initially, right? And like, that's that, like, it's, it's like incentives are great, but like, if you could find that thing that like you are happy to work on for free and people see that, like that will lead to opportunities as well. Um, it's like, it's like being able to grind on that free thing and feel, feel fulfilled doing that to lead to that more golden road, I guess, which is a bad analogy, but I think, I think you see what I'm getting at. And, um, it's like, it's like showing your values, um, in an altruistic way and in a way that helps build things at the same time. Awesome. Well, that was all very helpful. Appreciate the time. Absolutely, man. Thanks for coming on Crosby. What's going on, Ryan? Hey guys, fellas, can you hear me? Yes sir. yes, sir. Hey, what's up, fellas? Uh, Jeremy, you're absolutely crushing the space. Thank you so much. And fellas, thank you so much for hosting. Uh, two, two things. Uh, just want to circle back 
Wow, you really hit the nail on the head, Jeremy, with GameFi. And um, man, if I when I was a kid, crushing WoW like 18 hours a day, getting paid to do that, wow, I would have valued my time way differently. Let me just point that out because wow, definitely true Dude, there. How scary was it like when you would hit like what was like backslash play or like time or whatever, and it was like you have spent like 17 weeks in World of Warcraft. You're like, wow. Um. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm afraid to. I'm afraid to boot up my old account and check because I. I think I had like you know, I don't even want to say I'm kind of embarrassed honestly, but it made it, you blew my mind by saying it would kind of like teach the youth of the world uh, the value of time just by doing that. I mean, just incredible. Um, so wow, you know, mind blowing Thank stuff you. right there. Yeah, no problem. That was great. Hey, also curious if uh, you're in the Bankless DAO Discord, um, you know, touching on the DAO subject, I'm actually kind of personally interested in DAOs in a government sense. And I've been thinking about this concept of like a decentralized autonomous government where DAO states or DAO cities would vote into, right? And um, I don't know, that that's a whole nother realm. But just curious if you had any, any, you know, your interest in Dal. I, I, I was uh, interested in exploring that a little bit more, if possible. Yeah, man, great question. And uh, once again, thank you. Um, yeah, yeah, I really appreciate your words there, sir. But yeah, no, I think, um, I think, man, like we could go really deep with this, but I guess like on a higher, a higher level. I think what we'll see in the future is a lot of sort of city states form around these different play to earn governments, you know, like, so if you look at EVE Online, like you could almost argue that EVE Online is a uh, centralized uh, economy, government, you know, like there's whole factions, there's whole histories there. Like there was a book that just recently got published on EVE Online. That's like a history book that's like four or 500 pages long that goes through all the epic battles fought on this video game. So when you look at Star Atlas or Illuvium in the future, you're talking about actual DAOs and government systems where there's democracies and people have votes and and maybe this is the next evolution of government i don't want to say democracy because it, maybe it's not democracy but government in general so what happens when you see all these different guilds begin to form and you know these different guilds have spoke like spokesmen and like th there might be something really really valuable there and um i mean that's like that's just on the play to earn side of things but when you zoom out on like let's say not even star atlas but like let's say there's a gaming DAO, like yield guild games for example like what sort of role might they play in the future when they have DAOs spanning across across multiple games and multiple countries and and then you have whole communities and ecosystems sprout up around these things like it's a really yeah massive rabbit hole to dive down into and um the implications are vast so yeah man like we're you're you're really touching upon something magical there i think in that thinking and um whether or not it gets to the government like actual government layer or like uh we create one world DAO, like i think we're a long way off from that obviously um but i do think that in a generation or two like once people become crypto native and um we see this come to fruition we're looking at something crazy, but let me ask you a question, Ryan. Speaking of bankless, right? So a while back, sorry, go on. No, go ahead, hit me. 
Yeah, so with Bankless, did you hear the episode? It was like, it must have been like, it was a while back, but they actually had a historian, a historian on where they were talking about the, the, the double ledger system. And they were talking about like Martin Luther and all the historical things that kind of um, mirror what we're doing now. So I think like we are uh, establishing a new paradigm and like something that will actually like really have ripples in history. Wow, fascinating. I'm actually parked in the research guild within the Bankless DAO myself. That's kind of where I'm parked and that's kind of my lane right now there. Um, so I, I actually missed that. I, I didn't catch that. No, no problem, man. So uh, recently on Bankless, uh, and when I say recently, this was like, it might've been even like last summer or something like that. But I remember listening to a podcast where they were talking about um, the the double ledger system and we're talking about like the medici times right and uh it was a, a brand new system of uh mercantile uh, uh for merchants right and it enabled a whole new wave of technology that um powered the renaissance that powered uh democracy basically and right now what we're doing we're we're witnessing a new wave of technology that will power uh generations to come so like when you when you look at history, like the immutable ledger is incredibly powerful because like what is the immutable ledger, right? An immutable ledger is a, a source of truth that cannot be argued. Now, what does that mean? Like philosophically speaking and historically speaking, that means that you have one source of truth that cannot be argued. Now, what does that eliminate? That eliminates authoritarianism, that eliminates fake news, that eliminates all sorts of crazy shit that happened in history that wouldn't be able to happen today. And that is incredibly, incredibly powerful. Agreed. And let me also acknowledge what you just said there, because it kind of blew my mind even further than it already is. And let's just, you said, you know, we're taking middlemen out of the picture with this technology, blockchain, crypto, DeFi, uh, NFTs, and we're, we're recognizing facets of all these industries and our culture that we can push aside. It's kind of old hat, kind of old news, right? And so what, what takes its place, right? It just gets my mind going. It's, it, and that's just like, I love this stuff. It's the juice of life for me. So I'm kind of, I'm kind of recognizing these facets, uh, that are, are almost, you know, it, it's, a uh, it's old hat again. I mean, that's the, the term I can use right now. Um, and so, yeah, that, that is incredible, man. Your brain is incredible. <laughs> Thank you, sir. I guess, I guess what's the question there though, Ryan, like what's, uh, what replaces the old way of thinking or like, let's make this a little bit more pointed here. Okay. Well, for me, I think bringing the questions up is, is that, because like you said before, this is such an infant technology and such an infant time almost, right? I mean, it feels almost as if like we're babies again, as far as a race, as far as a culture, as far as a species. Mm. And we're, we're just like rediscovering all this stuff and we're, we're, we're discovering new stuff. And so we're taking these middlemen out. I mean, especially with DeFi, we're taking the big banks out of the picture. We're becoming banks ourselves, just as an example there. But like all these different parts of life and this this experience that we're all in, and we're you know it, it's allowing us to kind of reorganize it 
as we see it and as we experience it. So it, it's, it's the questions itself for me that actually is where we're at now. I'm not sure about the solutions, but that open door for what's new and what's possible for me is kind of the juice. I love it, man. So um, I'll just kind of uh, uh, rant here for a second. Um, and I, I'll, I'll definitely would love to hear the other guys jump in here. But I think some of the things we're recreating as far as like cutting the middleman out and that sort of thing. It's like so LinkedIn, for example, is like a multi-million, if not a billion dollar industry as far as like uh, connecting people with jobs. Okay. Now imagine in the future where we don't have a LinkedIn because if you are working for some company like Delphi Digital or if I was on base space, right, I might get a, a POAP or some sort of badge that said I did this and that becomes a part of my CV, right? And maybe instead of going to college, my college is my actual achievement, right? So if I achieve a Python coding course, I get a Python badge. And all of these things are tagged onto my immutable record. That becomes my immutable CV. And if I become an employee of a month, I get that on my on my record. If I achieve a certain achievement in a uh, game, I get that on my immutable record. So if I go to apply for a job, it doesn't matter the course I took in college. What matters is what I've actually achieved in life. And that is taking out the middleman of of college, right? And maybe that extends further into the future where, you know, um, we don't have a credit score, but we have like a, what is it, like a DGEN score, I guess, but in a more sophisticated kind of way, right? And so when you begin attaching all these things to your social profile, this is where things become really interesting because then you become a person based upon your merits and it kind of separates the wheat from the chaff. Now, something that's really fascinating about crypto is the way I found my job through Delphi Digital was by applying myself and through some of the things I just talked about, but I didn't have those things attached to my social profile, let's say. And now don't have a knee-jerk reaction where like we have these social scores. It's not 1984. This isn't communist China. This is an immutable ledger, right? Maybe college isn't the correct way to go. Maybe it is. I don't know. I'm not making a statement there or anything like that. But um, like we are disrupting many, many industries. And when you begin to apply like this uh, universal basic income on top of that, and you do cut out the middleman, like you're saying, um, we are entering into a new paradigm. Now, I'll caveat that by saying, um, yeah, we definitely need regulation there to um, ground these things, let's say. Like, I don't think regulation is a bad thing, but um, it'll, it'll definitely be interesting to see how it all shakes out in the future. Anyways, now that probably didn't answer your question, but like I said, I'm ranting. That's all right. And, and thank you guys so much. Um, for for having me up here and um again you know just kind of having the questions I, I just feel fortunate enough to ask and um just to be able to think you know my last thing is just i want to just put out there a, a thought that i had uh kind of like a social security or number 2.0 was what if every human being had an nft attached to them from birth and carried yeah. with them until death and so that nft could then be integrated into you know if we're looking at the legacy system like social security and you know all the history i mean all your doctor records could be tied to it all your dental records could be tied to it uh your whole job history could be tied to it your cv your resume like 
it could all be on this NFT that you've had since birth, right? And then, all right, my mind just got blown. So th thank me, you, guys. Hold on, hold on, Ryan. Let me fuck you up even more, man. Imagine, uh, imagine, imagine your um, your digital profile is a profile into your soul, okay? And what I mean by that is imagine if we were able to take all the data from your uh, social profile or from your digital wanderings and we were to aggregate that into an AI, could you not live forever? Like if, if we could know all of your habits, if we could know all of the things you've searched for, all the, if we could uh, compile all of the chats you've ever been in, all the messages you've ever sent, is that not a piece of your soul? If we applied an AI to that, if we applied uh, a machine learning to that, could you not live forever? And does not all those things being on chain allow something like that to happen? The way I look at Instagram or all these different centralized social medias right now is like, how amazing is it to think that when we were looking at our grandparents, we had very little access into their lives because it was a shoebox, a shoebox full of pictures. And if you're lucky with your grandparents, you had like one shoebox, you know, like more pictures are taken every single day um, than like all of human history combined. Now imagine your shoebox for your grandparents are your entire digital thumbprint. And now imagine what that enables your children and grand, uh, grandchildren to do. It's very black mirror. And um, maybe it's a beautiful thing, maybe it's a scary thing, but like that is a future that doesn't look unfathomable to me. So excellent, excellent brother. And it makes me think of that show on Netflix. I don't know if anybody in the space has seen it called Upload. And as long as I don't have to call my girl from from the from the ether to put money in my commissary, I, I, I'm cool with that. But if you've seen that show, you know what I'm talking about. Um, but what a what a mind uh, thing that that was. And great. Th thank you for that, Jeremy. Anytime, man. Anytime. Thank you for coming up, sir. Thanks for coming on, Brian. Always good. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Yeah, I'll, I'll step down. Thank you, guys. Thank you very much. No problem, sir. Ooh, I think I think that's a wrap, guys. <laughs> yeah, that was a, a hell of a way to end it. I love that. I love that dynamic. And uh, yeah, man, the future is going to be insane. Uh, <laughs> who the hell knows what's going to happen? It's a blank canvas. Hundred percent. And we're we're guys, part of it. It's all recorded. <laughs> Yeah, guys, uh, I really got to thank you for um, putting this together, for inviting me on. Um, seriously, you know, the thing about like working for somebody like Delphi, just to kind of like bring it back home, is like working for Delphi is really cool because I get to talk to all these incredible people and I get to help build the space out. And that's, that's really, really cool. And, uh, you know, awesome. But literally my favorite thing to do is, have these sorts of conversations and it's it's literally one of my favorite things that my job and my position in this weird niche crypto landscape affords me is being able to dive into the weeds with people like yourselves because the, the thing about this is like to have these sorts of conversations first of all how many people in the world could have these sorts of conversations and what i mean by that is uh like we've all learn the same things like we're all working off the same sort of foundation and like when i say metaverse i don't have to explain what that means to you so to be able to have these conversations is incredibly valuable and uh even to answer the the questions we did are 
just mind blowing. So basically what I'm saying is, uh, yeah, thank you for having me on. And uh, I really appreciate you guys taking the time to dive into the weeds with me and everybody here for listening. Jeremy, we definitely appreciate you coming on, man. Honestly, this is one of our more boast, uh, boast based <laughs> episodes recently. Uh, really just going from how you can be young and literally play to earn in your way into the digital economy. Like you don't even have to, you know, have any qualifications. You literally just have to play. Like, and I, I think that's a super cool aspect to really just life. I mean, ever since COVID lockdowns, let's be honest, it's it's been kind of rough on a lot of people. Um kind of what they want to do or how they spend their time. And I think these play to earn games could really benefit some people. Yeah. Well, thank God for COVID for allowing crypto to flourish. Right. <laughs> I mean, like as far as like one facet of uh, COVID goes, <laughs> the great reset. It's happening. Right. <laughs> no, but Jeremy, thanks for coming on, man. I mean, th this is why we do these spaces because one, it's like you said, it's so hard to find people that are like minded and that understand the amount of knowledge about crypto. But two, you know, it's just to educate um, everyone. And it's all doc. I think the coolest thing to me is like it's all documented online. So we'll look back at, at history and be like, oh, snap, like this is this is what happened. And, um, you know, one of the cool things, guys, too, that, that we're doing is like when we bring on a new guest, we're asking them how they got into crypto. Like that's all that history is being recorded. Um, mm. And yeah, man, I can't wait to see like where the space is going. It's, it's, gonna, it's wild. It's already wild. <laughs> yeah, man. Got to smell the roses. Got to smell the roses. Got to stop. Appreciate it. Super, super important. 100%. Um, I'll let you go, Jeremy. <laughs> I hope hopefully you, uh, you have another beer and you can relax tonight. Yo, guys, by the way, right, uh, I actually mentioned this to you, uh, you two, like when we first organized this thing, um, and it's one one reason why I was excited to jump on this with you guys, but uh, it is officially my birthday. I'm now 28 years old. I can't think of a better way to bring in uh, my my new year with you guys and having these awesome conversations, so uh, really appreciate getting to kick off 28 the right way in talking about crypto and play to earn and all this crazy stuff. So, uh, yeah, really appreciate you guys. So, Jeremy, does that mean you're Leo? Uh, a Virgo, actually. Damn, you missed the cut. I was about to say Leo game. No, well, see, dude, like, that's, that's, where, that's where the argument goes, though, because, like, I'm on the cusp. So, I feel like when I was younger, I was a Virgo, and then I've, I've kind of grown into a Leo. And I'm not into astrology and all that stuff, but that's, that's what I'm told. Anyways. Hell, yeah. No, um, I... Like I said, happy birthday, and you know I hope you enjoy your 28th. You're still young, and you're helping build the future, and it's a very exciting. All all of us here, you know, I know the people that can't come on and talk. I know they're saying happy birthday, so you know, just enjoy your day. Appreciate that, sir. Guys, thank you so much once again, and uh, seriously, in the future, uh, always happy to do this again anytime. Let me know, and uh, it's it's been an absolute pleasure. Hundred percent. Oh, yeah. Platform awesome. ours. Stay based. Everybody. Right, See ya. See you guys.